right, welcome to the Rockstar Magazine podcast this week. We're doing a special tribute to our guitar god, uh, Eddie Van Halen, sadly passing yesterday, uh, losing his battle to cancer, and so we wanted to do a Rockstar Magazine tribute podcast uh, in honor of uh, Van Halen. I'm Russell Dowden, publisher and editor of Rockstar Magazine. You can check us out online at rockstarmagazine.com. You can find us also on uh, Facebook and our Twitter uh, handle as well as uh, Rockstar uh, ATX uh, on, Rock, on Twitter as well. So tweet, uh, tweet that stuff out. And yeah, just uh, doing a special broadcast tonight. A good friend of mine, uh, two good friends of mine uh, were in town. One's in town from Los Angeles. The mighty Mike Quinn is here. How are you, Mike? I'm well, thank you. Yeah. No applause in the back. Jesus Christ! No, we, we gotta we gotta Come work on, that man. in. You gotta you gotta pay extra for that, Mike. No, the, the engineer shouldn't be doing it. The <laughs> audience should be doing it. Mike. There's and, no applauding and there's no making noise any longer. You gotta wear a mask. What's going on? And also joining us is our mutual friend uh, James Bills. Coach James Bills is uh, joining us as well. James and I did a number of podcasts earlier in the year. Yes, yeah, they came off very well. By the way, who I enjoy. How are you, James? Good. I'm trying to get over here. These girls won't leave me alone. Good lord, man! You would think I was Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> well, I uh, we were all talking yesterday at dinner and thought, well, I was getting ready for the podcast for today uh, with my hip show, and Mike, you're here. We just were just sharing stories about getting in. Uh, you got me in radio in, let's say, some years ago. <laughs> yeah, 24 years ago. It's been about 24 years. Uh, uh, Mike actually dragged me out of the radio station that I, we both worked for. I was a sales rep at the time, and Mike grabbed me out of the— You were a creator. Stop it. Well, I was, creator. I was a fancy creator. sales rep for us, for the station selling advertising, but Mike was the DJ and program director— and it pulled me out of there and talked to me, uh, asked me to come on and talk about high school sports. I think it was. Uh, uh, the, the yeah, you, there was not a lot of people in the station that really. Yeah, I was. I was cared late. or knew anything about. To my surprise, at a rock and roll station that knew anything about football, <laughs> and so I peeked, and I didn't either. By the way, I'm, I'm not very good at any sports, um, so I peeked in the door, and we called him by uh, another name back then. We called him Jay or Jeremy. Yes, that's right. Um, but I peeked in the door and said, hey, does anybody know how to anything about sports? Uh, and he goes, well, I know a little bit. I go, do you know anything about football? He goes, yeah, I know yeah, enough yeah. about football. I'll get your ass on the air. I need to talk to you for a minute. Yeah. That turned into a segment that actually generated some revenue for the station. Yeah, so. I started selling ads and um, got really got the bug, got the radio bug yeah, you right did. then and there. I loved it. And, Boy, did you ever, man. And I have been doing some radio off and on all these years, so it's been a lot of fun. And, and it's your fault. Well, thanks. Uh, <laughs> Blame me for your lost causes <laughs> and your beat up uh, v- clothing you're forced to wear. Yes, yes. No, you've done pretty good. I'm proud of you, man. You've done so well. Well, thank you, man. And uh, a lot of it uh, has yeah. had a lot to do with you. Yeah, now you've brought James into the fold. Now, yes. see, you've done the same thing for you've you've paid it forward. Well, and I did. Now, this is weird because the three of us, I was looking for a, a sponsor for some baseball stuff in 2017 or 2018. Um, and uh, maybe it was 2019. I don't. I don't recall. It's been a year or two now. But I looked him up on the internet and found his baseball uh, organization, University Baseball. So I found Coach Bills. I was going to approach him for an ad, maybe even some editorial 
uh, in the magazine, right, in my right. sports magazine, Texas Sports Monthly. And so uh, when I found his picture on his Facebook page, the logo for his Facebook image was Silverstone Sports. Yeah. Not Silverstone Records, but the logo is the same as your that's, logo. That's because he violates every patent he can. <laughs> that's right. He sells um, a uh, he sells a LA team uh, football and baseball T-shirts and. I had no. no idea though that you guys knew each other at all. It was a complete fluke. And when I saw Mike's logo on your Facebook page, I was like, "Well, what's going on?" Yeah, here? Russell called me and was like. What the hell is that logo? Do you know who that guy is? <laughs> yeah, that's my friend. Do you know who this, this guy is at all? Uh, but that was just a, a serendipitous that um, uh, you two guys actually knew each other. And um, um, so that was just uh, – and I introduced uh, uh, Mike to Core, the band Core. That's right. Uh, which, kind of, which is kind of how you came into the fold, but being that your son CJ is the lead singer for that band. So um, – yeah, what was would... weird was later on we found out that I'd have done a stuff work with your dad. Yeah, and uh, that as far was as through advertising and stuff like that through sports. Yeah, that's so, right. That's right. Very, very six, small. Six degrees of separation. That's true, and it was a, a lot of that going on with uh, with our our this tri- trifecta of the three of us, and uh, just an interesting how that unfolded. But let's talk about Eddie Van Halen uh, and the band. What are um, I, I really wasn't aware of Van Halen. Um, until I guess about 1984, I was, you know, listening to all kinds of things. I was a young breakdancer kid. I was listening to hip hop and uh, the Fat Boys. Sure. And, but I remember in living in South Austin, and in the summer of '84, that album hit, and that was like, boom, ding, ding. Every, you know, we were kids if were all hip to that. Did, if you did not know who Van Halen was, by the end of 1984, when they popped. The biggest record they'd ever had, Jump, yeah. went to number one on the charts. That's right. By the time that record got pushed to every radio station in America, and 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 went where it went, and the video blew up on MTV, and they did the vi- video promotions um, leading up to it. It was incredible. Yeah. Every kid in America knew what Eddie Van Halen looked like. They knew what his sound was. Um, they knew his guitar. What that guitar looked it was like. A, it was a signature sound. It was a signature look, and it was these guys jumping around on stage with all kinds of energy. Yeah. You know? what, what was amazing was Jump went to number one on the pop charts then, which correct? Is, which is you know uh, un, really unheard of um, yeah. back then for sure. Well, back then it, there wasn't rock, country, pop, urban, whatever was floating around at the time. If it was a pop record, popular music. The top 40 got played on radio stations. There was no genre break. There was country stations that were floating around the early 80s, but mostly there was pop stations, and they played a little bit of everything. Every they, You could hear a Van Halen record with Eddie on it, or you could hear Alabama being played on the same station. It was pretty you incredible. Just, you just didn't hear rock and roll with the synthesizer, with the sounds of the that they made in 1984. No. It just wasn't. Well, there was some. There was the sticks, and there was you know, not a lot of bands, but nobody that were on top of the charts, on the pop charts, right, the killing pop it charts. at the time. It just didn't exist. Yeah. You know, and they, it was an intubator. It was, it was and, so. And the, with the song, which is incredible, speaking of Eddie, he, you know, he was, he influenced that, that number one record highly. He didn't, a lot of the guys in the group, um, David, didn't want that synth sound to be part of the record. He said, we're rock and roll gods. We don't use synthesizers. But Eddie pushed and said, this is going to work. This is what we need. He Eddie had a great knack for understanding what worked well for that band and what didn't work. Um, and he stayed away from things that didn't work. 
um, like Gary Sharon. They finally, uh, but we'll talk about that later on. <laughs> Well, he, you know, just a big innovator and just shocked the, the hearts of mu- music fans. Uh, and I think music fans from all different kinds of genre just uh, that's, you know, that's that's like you remember where you were with Elvis died as a kid. But for for our generation, guys, I mean, that's, you know, we we were kids growing up with Van Halen. I mean, and that's just uh, it was just a ball. Speak for yourself. I was a grown-up child. You were a grown-up child, and I think you're still a grown-up yeah, child. You know what? My house was unique. <laughs> Let me tell you something. So my dad was a rock guy. He liked rock and roll. But he was an Elvis guy. He was a, he was a friend of Elvis in the military and a number of things through the years um, with his connection. But he was a big 50s music guy. But he put on the pop station in the house. So even when the ra- we had a big record player, combo, television, and AM, FM stereo sitting in the ovaries on the side of the, the, the living room. But we always had the radio playing, even if the television was on. Mm-hmm. So whether I was asleep or awake, that radio was on 24-7. Mm-hmm. So I would hear these records played in these rotations over and over and over. So as a kid, you, you get to the point to where you can sing almost everything you hear on top 40 radio stations. Occasionally, you would switch it to maybe a country station. There was no oldie stations of sorts back then or, or any other types of genres, but it was really... You know, um, it was really, you know, if you maybe caught a, a new, there wasn't even news stations. I, I'm thinking about it now, but that, that's all there was, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, um, but Eddie Van Halen was a big, uh, a big influence on so many other guitar players. And, and I, I have a clip that I want to share with us in this first segment of this is just a clip of the guys hanging out celebrating their 15th anniversary way back in 1993 this was you remember entertainment tonight they just did a little quick segment on that i want to drop this audio from their 15th anniversary check this out guys the boys of van halen are celebrating longevity they're doing it with a new album that shows off what they do best playing rock and roll live Those rockin' and rollin' Van Halen boys are still going strong, and to celebrate 15 years together as a band, they put out their first live album and concert home video. The guys say they have a blast together when they perform in concert. Actually, actually we tone it down a bit. <laughs> okay, guys, no more private jokes yeah. now. We got an audience, okay? <laughs> we are probably collectively the goofiest people, the most fun-loving people you'll ever meet. Hey, happy birthday. We turned 15 years old today. The group also celebrated by throwing a benefit concert bash at Hollywood's famed Whiskey A Go-Go to shoot the concert video for the song Dreams. Thousands of fans turned out, but the club could only hold about 500, the same size crowd that was on hand when the group signed its first recording contract. A live album out, it's been 15 years, you know, sort of kind of an anniversary. And this was a club that got us, you know, uh, gave us a start 15 years ago. And he said, hey, how would you like to play? And we said, sure. Group members say all the time they've spent together has made them a lot closer. We love doing what we do. We're very lucky. We're actually buddies. Yeah. Rare, but true. Anyway, that's cool stuff, good stuff. And guys, that's 1993, so, I mean, that's 27 years ago. 27 plus 15, where do we add? What what does that put them? Uh, 27, 27. 
uh, you know, it's up there. It's going on, you know, uh, 40 years nearly uh, as a band. Yeah, I remember. I t- truly remember them crossing that line where they were at that mark, and it was incredible to to look back on it. There's still a lot of controversy, obviously, because David was talking smack and some of the, uh, you know, David Lee Roth fans were talking smack. But the reality is the band never really – it changed somewhat with the lead f- men they, they, they chose over the years. But the band was the same. You always yeah. got Van Halen. And yeah, you, it, did. It, you did not get Van Halen without Eddie. That's no. true. It's just There's he no, was the signature sound of the band. That's done. Van Halen – yeah, and then nobody my, will come in and play what Van Halen no. played. My my co-host in my other show earlier tonight, he he was like, well, you know, it's it's not Van Halen without Eddie, without David Lee Roth, and I, and I I I it took a little while, but you're right. I mean, I like I love I love my album Fifty One Fifty. I love Sammy's songs. Um, you those grow on you as you get older, and and well, I think with time that that. That incarnation of the band. Well, there, there was generation. Developed. So there was, my, you know, my, you know, the the generation before your fifty one fifty generation loved the David Lee Roth yeah. generation. Yeah. So some of the people that didn't know who Van Halen was became that that Sammy Hagar generation that loved right. that sound versus the David Lee Roth sound. Yeah, that's true. But you know, there's. I got to tell you, I'm, I, I fell in love with the David Lee Roth sound, but I also love Sammy Hagar. Yeah, I didn't like their other choice when they picked Gary Sharon. I thought that was the worst possible um, move they could have ever made. I was with them on tour when they did a number of shows with him, and I remember sitting backstage with Eddie. Back then, he was a heavy drinker, and he was hammering. Um, shit, what was it? It was. Uh, Jägermeister. We're all getting drunk on Jägermeister backstage. And and they went up on stage to perform. And afterwards, or during the show, there was a lady. I'm standing in the front, very front row of this performance. And there's a lady standing next to me. And the whole time, she's screaming at Eddie. And I'm going, I can't hear what she's saying. Like, what is this lady screaming? Like, mm-hmm. I figured she's just some nutty fan. And so... As Gary Sharon finally made his way down to where we were standing, she sticks her hand in her purse and she writes out a note as fast as she can on this little piece of paper she had. And then Gary, as Gary Sharon came closer to her, the moment he got directly in front of her, and this woman is in front of the stage. Just, she's she's obviously a VIP. She's dressed in a dress. She doesn't look like a rocker. And she takes this piece of paper. She wads it up as hard as she can and she throws it in Gary Sharon's face. And Gary <laughs> Sharon grabs it and he smiles from ear to ear. Like, oh man, I got a fan that's going to ask me to play a favorite song or something. And he opens up the note and he opens it up, reads it and his face goes freaking blank. He's, he's in the middle of his performance. All right, he's doing a solo, I guess, and he throws it back at her. And when he threw it back at her, she picked it up. And when she picked it up, she... she um, she threw it down on, back on the floor, on the the uh, concrete below us, and I I just reached over and grabbed it to see what it said. And as soon as I picked it up, it said, "You suck." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's uh, that's exactly the way a lot of these people." I like Gary Schroen. He was great when he was, you know. What do- year was that tour? That was in the mid mid late nineties, I guess yeah. somewhere. Yeah. So right. I, I just can't remember. To be honest, back in those days, we all did drugs, we all partied, we all we all drank. It wasn't. You didn't keep track of time. You kept track of the music, man. You know. Well, let's. Uh, we're probably going to take a quick break here and come back and do a, a pay some bills, and then we'll come back and, and talk some more Van Halen. I, I just, it's hard to believe that 
you know, uh, we lost a great one the other day. Boy, and, did we. Uh, we did. Um, it's uh, it's amazing that, uh, that he's gone, but we'll talk a little more Van Halen, honor his memory. It's a Rockstar Radio Podcast. We'll be right back after this, guys. plans for the new site. By day, she's a conservative professional. 4 p.m. is excellent, Mr. Cook. See you then. Thanks. Bye. Guess what her night job is. The Tex-Mex Gentlemen's Club. Beauty and brains. Adult entertainment that's out of this world. Jackson and Owasa, the Valley's most exclusive gentlemen's club. June 26th, Concrete Street Amphitheater. Two sounds of rock collide. It's Rock the Bay 2005. Featuring Seether. Crossfade. Static X. Power Man 5000. No address. Plus the Pop Kings American Head Charge. One simple honor bike in 10 years. 10 rocket bands. It's a full damp rock. Sunday, June 26. Rock the Bay, 2005. Cedar, Crossbase, Static X, Powerhead 5000, much more. Tickets on sale now at all Ticketmaster outlets, including the Concrete Street box office. Charge by phone at 361 or online at ConcreteStreet.net. Don't miss Rock the Bay, 2005. You're living it live at Concrete Street. Welcome to Sounds of the Underground, where the voice of hardcore and metal can be heard. Saturday, July 16th at Concrete Street Amphitheater. You'll get 18 bands on one ticket, featuring Lamb of God. Opeth, Unearthed, From Autumn to Ashes, Poison the Well. Chimera, Guar, Norma Jean, Clutch. Every Time I Die, Strapping Young Lad, and more. Saturday, July 16th at Concrete Street Amphitheater. Tickets are on sale now. Available at all Ticketmaster outlets, including the Concrete Street box office. Charge at 361-881-8499 or online at ConcreteStreet.net. You're living it live at Concrete Street. Welcome to Sounds of the Underground, where the voice of hardcore and metal can be heard. Presented by House of Blues.
right, welcome to the Rockstar Magazine podcast. This is our tribute to the great Eddie Van Halen and the band Van Halen. Sadly losing Van Halen, uh, Eddie Van Halen yesterday in a long battle for can- uh, fighting cancer. And uh, just sort of one of the great ones, certainly, certainly sorely be missed. Uh, my earliest memories of Van Halen, guys, is playing football in the streets in South Austin with uh, in 1984, listening to, you know, that album. And uh, on, a, on a, like one of my buddies had a jam box on the on the on the grass playing. We would play football, you know, and just I remember that album, you know, was that's one of the anthems of our summer of of, of my childhood. I was probably thirteen that year, and uh, uh, just that's one of my earliest memories of of, of jamming them in, and from my childhood. And of course, uh, later, you know, in high school. Um, you know, listening to them and uh, going to Barton Springs and uh, uh, skipping at school. And, oh, that brings back memories, and, man. You know, Van Halen hung out with me as part of my adole- my junior and adolescent years. You know, they, they, with any trouble I ever got into uh, as a teenager, uh, those guys were with me. Yeah. It's funny you say that because most a lot of people look back in their life and remember dates, times, and places based on – music that was being heard at the time popular music that they loved or listened to so i remember trying to get my first you know real kiss in with a girl named linda um (laughs) you know back in 1984 when panama was you know the hottest thing on the on the radio in in the summer of 84 yeah you know but yeah it's incredible how you think back on these records but eddie truly influenced people you know throughout his career uh not just to be musicians but to to be go-getters because you you put on your headphones and when you think about it, how many times people go to the gym or go work out or go run uh, you know a marathon, and um, you know crank that music that make that motivates them that pushes them to do something extra, you know. My I, my older brother Wes was three and a half years older than me, and so I had that influence with an older brother that was listening to the music all the time and Quiet Riot and. Twisted Sister and all the bands that just were really cool in your face videos all the time. And Van Halen was like his greatest. And he was cool because he had two different Converse color shoes on and in the Don Johnson jacket. And my brother was like the dude back then. And then my little brother comes along and, and he's born in 82 and his name is Jimmy. And of course, every time we turned on Van Halen, he wanted to hear Top Jimmy. And he's running around jumping off of couches when he was a kid, singing <laughs> Top Jimmy all the time. So, yeah, I mean, it, that was like, you know, that was our band growing up. Man, the, there is, um, there's also a time where, you know, America thought, especially the parents of them, uh, uh, thought that, you know, the music was so satanic. The, you know, the first, some of the first music, Running with the Devil. Well, Man, 80, 1984 you... album cover with a baby with that was a angel baby well, with sure. a cigarette in his hand. <laughs> yeah, it's like come on, there was, a lot of people looked down on it, but you know, there were none of these. A lot of these. Listen, Eddie had a love for for a good spiritual side in his heart, especially t- towards his last days. And I had some great conversations with him, you know, leading up to this bad news yesterday, as we the three of us ironically were together talking about you know good times and. You know, and we learned, you know, James and I were together yesterday and learned, learned about it. And the, one of the first phone calls I got, he, James said, Matt, Mike, I just got this notification on my phone. And I was like, you got to be kidding. Are you sh- serious? I was in shock. Yeah. And then a few minutes later, I got a call from one of my buddies at Warner Brothers. And he said, Mike, did, did, did you hear the news? 
I went, what are you talking about? You're talking about Eddie's death? It's true? And he's like, yep. And I thought, well, maybe it's wrong. Maybe the information James got on his phone that popped in is because it happens sometimes. But it's like, no, nah, he was in, literally in, almost in tears on the phone. He could hardly even talk. He's like. And who, who was your friend from Warner? Did he, did he work with them and, and get he, them a he deal? Did. He, start, he started with them early on. So he, you know, Gene Simmons originally picked him up. And, and these guys, I mean, back when I was a kid, these guys would play in the San Fernando Valley. There was a club off of Sepulveda Boulevard. And. I just remember the, I was very young, but my dad was a club guy, a rock guy who loved. He was in a bar business, so he spent a lot of time around bars. But I just remember that the um, that that club or that bar was a top forty kind of a bar. No, nobody really went to bars back then to listen to rock music. They went to go listen to popular music. And and Eddie, he had a band then. Um, it wasn't called Van Halen, but the band that he had then just played pop music. They literally did disco. They did all kinds of, yeah. you know, funky stuff back then. Yeah. But that's the only way they could get a gig. Yeah. Um, and I think, Jane, from what I recall him saying, I, I thought Gene had seen him in one of these performances doing some pop stuff and thought, what a hell of a guitarist. You well, know? they were probably in high school because I think that uh, the boy, the brothers had a, another band before it was Van Halen, and then it became Van Halen. Uh, yeah, a couple of times. The Broken Combs. Is that right? Is that what it was called? That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I should know that, but I, I, I heard it being discussed in all of the 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 coverage that they, they've been getting and, and uh, you know talking about this tragedy um, but yeah that was the band um but Warner Brothers Warner Brothers picked them up and they were a little unsure exactly what to do with them but once you know Gene did the demo he did originally did a demo with them he did 15 or I don't know 15 or 20 songs whatever it was but once they pulled them in the studio they picked a few of those songs and you know they ended up um they ended up creating some incredible music. And like I said, this, the early stuff, you know, back then the label said, hey, let's go with something that the parents aren't going to like because the kids are going to want it more than anything else. So Running With The Devil was an important track on that record, the album, of course. Um, but yeah, it turned into something. There was kind of a, you know, back then rock and roll, especially bands, we didn't call it metal, by the way, back then. We called it teeth rock or because every time you saw a rock band like a, a Van Halen, they were smiling from ear to ear on stage. So yeah. they call it like teeth metal or teeth rock, I think <laughs> teeth metal or something like that. Well, well let's speak to about the style of that he played. And, and um, because I, I got a, the second clip on this segment, it, 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 it's Eddie talking about he never played with distortion pedals. He never played with any no. fancy gimmicks. You know, he was never couldn't that... afford it. He couldn't afford that's it. That's right. That's right. And that's what that's what he says in a lot of the interviews mm -hmm. that you, if you're aware of him, that he just could not afford these fancy pedals or gizmos he, or anything. He did something that was so unique. He took, uh, you know, a lot of people know this that are especially guitar players like C.J. James Bill's son over here. You know, he and your son does the same thing. He creates sounds. If you don't have it, they figure out a way to do it. And that's what the artistic side of him led him yeah. to do was he has a couple of patents, by the way, Eddie does. Um, but it was interesting how we'd taken overdrive the power on yes, these amps. That's right. You know, he got the first amp he got. I remember it was like, um, oh, talking about it, it was like a. Um, uh, it was, I guess, it was like a, a something from overseas. I don't remember what it was, but I remember them having a problem with the power, and he had to crank the power down off of what they were using, and it created the amp. The amp was set to a certain volume, but he he found an oscillator or something right. that, that Some... he took that down to sixty watts, and yeah, I saw that. Yeah, this the morning. volume would go up all the way. 
I'm sure the engineers on the other side of the glass would know, but I, I can't remember <laughs> what it's called. But the um, but it was interesting how he created that the sound we know today. We call it brown sound, mm-hmm. and that's the unique sound that Eddie created with that with that you know distortion that he that he was able to. Let, let's hear Eddie describe uh, that sound and how he didn't have those gimmicks. He'll know he, what it he was. was. Let's hear it from himself. Hi, Eddie. Everything that I've destroyed, <laughs> everything that I've stumbled onto, you know, uh, is in this guitar. You know, it's everything I know, everything that I know and I've experienced in my journey to where we are now. I've never used or owned any distortion paddle. Nothing, you know. I always use the guitar, cable, straight to the amp. A lot of people, until they actually play through, play my guitar through one of my amps, then they go, holy shit. Or uh, Billy Corgan from Rush Smashing Pumpkins, he interviewed me once. And uh, it was up in the studio, and my rig happened to be set up, and I was playing, he walked in, and uh, he kind of nervously said, can I try it? I was sure. He turned it up, and it was just uncontrollable for him. You know, and he goes, Where, where's your distortion pedal? I'm like, there's one. <laughs> right. If you have a great sounding guitar, you know, a quality instrument, um, and of course a good amp, and you know how to talk, or make the guitar talk, that's the key. To me, anything you put in between that deviates, takes away from the pure tone, but it starts with the guitar and knowing what you want it to sound like and feel like. Yeah, so he's just mm-hmm. speaking to, you know, putting anything in between, you know, the guitar and, and what comes out of you naturally is just cheating, taken away from it. So and boy, it, did that make him an incredible guitarist because of it. I mean, what? he started playing drums originally, I guess, we James and I were talking about this off, off air, offline a little while ago, but he originally was you know, banging with the drums. He got pretty good at it, but then he in re- his Alex was always one upping. Get, get, you know, that's right. One, he was always one up on him. So Alex really got good at drums, and so Alex one day showed him how awesome he was at playing Wipeout on the drums, and he decided, you know what, I'm going to move towards guitar because I can't, I just cannot let my brother be greater than I am at something. Well, look, we're going to take a second break here, and because you're mentioning that, we'll, we're going to, I have a clip of uh, Eddie talking about how his brother would one-up him, and yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, Alex started off playing uh, the guitar, and Eddie was on drums, and somehow things got twisted, and they got into it with one another. And, Boy, what a great move, and, though. What a uh, blessing for the switch-up. Yeah, they, they ended up switching up. But we'll come to that clip here after our commercial break. Uh, it's uh, the Rockstar Podcast. We'll be back after this, guys. Some new sensation 
Secret of Rock Radio. The stories behind the greatest music of our time. I says, he's what? He's dead. Iconic moments of rock history, the backstories, the lies, and tracking down what really happened. The death of John Lennon, the manipulation of Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley died today. Apparently it was a heart attack. Was Jimi Hendrix murdered? The circumstances surrounding Jim Morrison's death. Janis Joplin, Buddy Holly, rock's greatest legends and their stories pulled apart and exposed. Reaction and opinion from the people who were there. Couple of guys, not gonna name them because I know who they are and they kill me. They poured wine straight in there and he, he drowned. Who was watching them and or exploiting them? He was the most vocally anti-war of the Rolling Stones. They murdered Brian Jones after that. Eyewitness accounts, personal stories and observations. It's sinister, this whole thing of death surrounded the Beatles from the beginning. Spirit of Rock Radio. Objective, get to the truth. Refuse to believe without proof. The autopsy report and things are revealing that the wine was poured on his nose and throat while he was sleeping. Spirit of Rock Radio. The real stories of rock finally told by the people who were there. There's a lot of questionable things. This is Spirit of Rock Radio. Own it now in your market. Mr. Cook, thanks for getting back to me. I'd like to know if you can stop by her office today to go over the architectural plans for the new site. By day, she's a conservative professional. 4 p.m. is excellent, Mr. Cook. See you then. Thanks. Bye. Guess what her night job is. The Tex-Mex Gentlemen's Club. Beauty and brains. Adult entertainment that's out of this world. Jackson and Owasa, the Valley's most exclusive gentlemen's club. Gentlemen's Club. As a duly designated representative of the city, county, and state of New York, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. All right, welcome back to Rockstar Magazine and our podcast. Here, this is our tribute show to uh, Van, Eddie Van Halen, and uh, yeah, I can't believe we're doing this, but it's it's just one of those things. And uh, um, we're, the, we're all still in shock, man, over the death of Eddie Van Halen when we found out the news yesterday. Yesterday, um, you know, there's a channel I think on uh, Sirius XM's dedicated. Uh, uh, Channel 26, I believe, is totally dedicated to uh, Van Halen uh, uh, tribute, and so there's stories on there, and they've got the the, the music all day, and and um, uh, I think every rock station in America literally should do, you know, should shut down and play Van Halen records around the clock for at least 24 hours in tribute to his life and legacy. Just an incredible individual. Yeah, they're, they're behind. I've been doing that since 1982. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Diver Down was incredible. That's one of my favorite albums. Oh man, so, well. Women and Children First is a great album. I I have almost all of them. I probably have six of the what's I don't know. There's I think there's twelve uh, albums in total. Um, For think, Unlawful Kernel Knowledge was unbelievable. Breaking when they come with San yes, Diego. man, yeah. You know they were all fun. They, listen, they were all really fun guys. 
David had his own ego and Eddie had an ego. They always talk about the egos. But the reality is they had disagreements over things. And, you know, David had a big problem with making fun of things. And sometimes they got that really would get to really would get daddy. He had a we talked about this, too, um, back in the green room over here, James and I, how, you know, like you mentioned, James, he he didn't read music. He 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 never was able to read music or write music. And sometimes David, you know, he would play with him, you know, skillfully as David would. But that sometimes it would get to him, you know, and Sammy would do the same thing because they all they all were having fun. But I think eventually those things, I think deep down, you know, coming, moving to Pasadena, California, when Eddie was seven years old. I mean, he struggled to get through, you know, as far as he did because of his inability to to read the music or do the things that others could do. And. Well, they had to learn the language uh, that was the as well. Obstacle. The family wasn't, uh, they, 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 you know, these, these kids didn't speak uh, English uh, coming into the United States like that. But they were so, pushed so hard by their families. Like, you know, the, the, mom and dad, you know, put them to give them some piano lessons. There was a, their piano teacher lived about an hour away. And, they, you know, Alex and, and Eddie were forced to go learn to play piano by mom and if they didn't go, they were, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a good day for them. But they would still go, even though it was a trek. They would get them over, and you know, Eddie got so great at playing keyboards. Literally, he won in '67. He won a keyboard contest at in yeah. in, in Long Beach, California. Yeah, with like a thousand people. That yes. was it. What, what, what's well, crazy he was about? Upset. He was very upset because they, the teacher criticized. He won, but then criticized his performance, saying it wasn't quite well, accurate. Well, he, but here's the crazy thing about that was. He watched the teacher's hands all the time, and that's how he learned. He didn't actually learn exactly. how to read the music. Exactly. And when they went into that actual contest, they weren't allowed to read sheet music during the contest. Which didn't hinder his so performance it didn't hurt at all. Him at all. <laughs> at all. Look, I got no, a clip I want to share, guys, because we're talking on this and about the brothers, and and this is what before the break, uh, them switching on these instruments. So one drumming and another one playing guitar, and then they switch. Let's play that clip uh, right here with Eddie Van Halen talking about him and Alex swapping out instruments. Oh, it's going to be good here. And uh, I quit uh, piano lessons and the contest circuit, so to speak. And and said, I want to get myself a drum kit because I like a uh, song "Glad All Over" boom, 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 uh, by Dave Clark Five, and I wanted to play drums, so I got a paper out, bought a St. George drum kit for 125 bucks, and my mom somehow had convinced my brother to still do something musically respectable, which is take flamenco guitar lessons. Now, uh, forgive me if my uh, memory or recollection is is different from from yours, Al. <laughs> but all I remember is me going out and, and and throwing the papers and coming home, and he's playing my drums. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, it you know, peeled me a bit in the beginning, you know. And then finally, I just said, okay, he's just better than I am. So I never wanted to play guitar, but I said, okay, go ahead, take my drums. I'll play your damn guitar. <laughs> and, and, That's funny. Yeah, that, that's that's what that's. I thought that was a great clip to share. That, that was incredible. It's incredible, obviously that 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 changed history. That changed history. That Literally. changed your life. So it so it's it's all Alex's fault for picking yeah. up the drums. You know that some things I believe in. You know things are meant to be. You know, and that was just one of those things that were meant to be. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah. I didn't know that you had been on uh, that tour in the mid-90s uh, with uh, that last that was singer. A, yeah. uh, who was that, what was the singer's name? Yeah, with Gary Sharon. Yeah, yeah. Sharon, yeah. I, I didn't know you were on, the, on that tour. Um, do you remember much of that? Yeah, I remember getting <laughs> drunk and puking in their hotel room. I remember, you know, I was, doing, I was working in radio, and then also I worked on the, some, did some marketing and record promotion stuff throughout those years. And uh, you know, you, you you travel around with a lot of lot of uh, great people. Um, but th- then it was about everything was a party on the other side. Of, now it's not. Most artists that go out on the road pretty much have their head on straight. To be honest with you. It's not like it was. The, no. the music artists of today, these guys, let me tell you something. These guys could party all night, do whatever they needed to do, and then get right back up the next day and start over again. Well, I you, mean, these guys are the toughest sons of bitches on the planet. Well, you know, it's funny because there's been movies, all of these movies have been done, and, and you you got to wonder, uh, I mean, that what was the one that was done by the Jackass producer on uh, Motley Crue's book? Um the dirt. The, the dirt, yeah. Mm-hmm. The dirt uh, uh, came out there. Um, in fact, but that's, uh, not, that's not even half of it, guys. What you hear in the media, what you hear that gets that makes it through the cracks and crevices to the mainstream media. Let me tell you something. I can tell you firsthand. There's not even a fraction of those tour stories that you would hear um, or see out on the road. It's just not. You know, it's it's just absolutely not. But you know what's funny is people like Eddie would make fun of. Of some of these guys, like they can, I mean, like Guns N' Roses, oh, they're getting crazy and they're burning. It's like, yeah, 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 they're getting a little destructive, but that's nothing compared to the crap that we've we've done. Yeah, yeah. I, it, David Lee Roth, I, I'll never forget this. They got back together and did a, um, uh, they, a couple of times over the years they got back together and did that's some things. True. But when they finally decided to get back together and get David back in the group, um, Wolfgang was uh, his son was playing bass. We did a a uh, op- we did a promotional show with the label at Jim Henson Studios, the old Kermit the Frog Studios mm-hmm. in La Brea in Los Angeles, and so it's directly across the street. Um, there's some businesses and restaurants and a topless bar. So as we're waiting for Van Halen to come on stage, and there's all these record and radio people from all over the country, and this is not fans; these are radio people that are going to decide whether or not we like the next record, whether or not we want to help talk about Van Halen on the radio, and which helps promote them and get them out there, which is everything that the record company wants, correct? Right. And Eddie is pissed. He's fucking just mad. Mm-hmm. He, no one can find Eddie, uh, find David. 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 Where's David? Where's David? Where's David? And I'm with another guy who works, one of my good friends that I've worked with for years in the business, and he said, what do you think he went? Don't and, tell me the time. And he goes... Let's go across the street to the, the the topless bar, and we walk across. Literally walk across the street to the topless bar. Just me and him. Everybody's still sitting there waiting, and they're the lights are flashing, like trying to get no. the, the attention of David Lee Roth, no. who is not in the building. They're they're paging him. They're looking through the bathrooms. They're checking oh the back God. seats of cars. And, and security's going crazy trying to find him. You know, seeing if he's hiding out somewhere. You know, and so we walk inside. As soon as we walk through the doors, David is sitting at the very front of the stage with his legs spread wide open with a girl hanging over him, and she's throwing dollar bills at him. I got nobody. Nobody. Finally drag him out, and he gets back in, does a performance, and it was an incredible show that night. Wow. And 
Uh, you know, very, very. I matter of fact, I got a, a clip that I have somewhere on YouTube that I say from that night because no one was allowed. Don't bring your phones. Don't bring your cameras. But I mean, I could swore I, on some of these clips I was looking up uh, this morning, um, just kind of, you know, reliving Van Halen memories. That one of the, one of them was a performance somewhere out west. Maybe it was in L.A. But um, there's an interview with uh, Eddie uh, with uh, David Lee Roth, and and he's got a shiner. And this was in one of the times that they got back together, which was one or two times that they actually. You mean a Shiner Buck? No, I mean like a, <laughs> oh, like yeah, a yeah, like yeah, a like guy. a Band-Aid under his on his nose, and a, like a, like like he got hit. Looks like like Eddie got tired of his shit. Damn right. I, I don't know if that's certain, but it it you know it explains that those why those those reunion shows were so short. Sometimes yeah. there was a lot of a lot of fire and 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 fury between those guys. You and, couldn't keep David's mouth. Shut, no, unfortunately. No, no, Eddie can. could keep his mouth shut, but he's like me. He's a type of guy he will fire on you if you fire upon him first. Yeah. And David had a way of saying the sarcastic but notable poetry style, you know, cuts uh, to Eddie that really would bring him, piss him off. And he just didn't take him very well. And he would, Eddie could get angry. There's no question about it. But, you know, he stood up for things he believed in. I had. I, doing broadcasting, I had my my anniversary was had come up. My wife and I, who I was married to for seventeen years, a woman named Mia, and she he, um, I got a call out of the blue. Eddie, Eddie would remember things, and he mm-hmm. called me out of the blue when they were back together with David. And as soon as he said, "Hey, Mike, I just want to tell you, you know, hey, uh, for some reason, I still remember your anniversary. I just want to say happy anniversary." And it was the day of my anniversary, and out of the Freaking blue! David grabs the phone from him. He goes, "Yeah, we're in the studio." He was telling you. He goes, "And I said, well, what are you guys doing?'" He said, "I'm sitting here drinking a, uh, a fifth of whiskey, and I got you know my ice cubes in it mixed in a blender with a four barrel carburetor with four iron to side and a stick shift." I'm like, "Whoa," you know. But they remembered things, and they were fun. And then David gets into this interesting conversation while I'm talking to him um, about. About um, Valerie Bertinelli. Uh-huh. And I said, oh, you know, he's like, yeah, bro. I, he goes, I'll break you up like I broke up Betty and Valerie. Uh-huh. I was like, what? What is he talking about? And, and then his, and I asked him to, I, I said something else to him. And he said, and, I, and he said, yeah, man, you know, the thing that broke us up was we would be in the studio. Because Eddie had a recording studio inside of his house. Um, so he's like, yeah, man. He's like. I, I could tell when Valerie was coming down the hallway because you ever watched the, the movie, what was it, uh, Jurassic Park? Mm-hmm. And he says, you remember in the movie, you could see the, you could tell that the dinosaurs were coming because the water would start oscillating <laughs> and making these, 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 these little waves. Yeah, he goes, tremor, yeah. And he's like making fun of Valerie Burnell's weight and boy, that set Eddie off. It was like, the phone went dead, shit was flying, it was like, you know, that was kind of the end of that, but... But yeah, he just couldn't keep his mouth shut. And he was playful about it. He wasn't trying to be rude. But David just didn't have a mechanism to shut up. You know, and he knows that. He knows that was a problem. James, what's one of your favorite songs? Just one or two. Name one or two that really, really did it for you. Obviously, Panama. Um, but you know, some of their, some of their later why, songs. No, no, no. Why obvious? What, what was it about Panama that really... That struck you? What held you to that record? If that was your favorite record of all time from Van Halen, or track? It's favorite one of the favorite tracks. Just at the time, just that that particular al- album, 
1984. Yeah, 1984. Yeah, I, you know, I always I, I like when you're riding down the road and you're and you're listening to that song and you're thinking about your chick beside you and she's got to reach down between your legs, and easy <laughs> seat back, back. Yeah. and you're just like that's that's rock and roll, man. I mean, that's just that's what it is. <laughs> My brother, we had this, we we shared a room. I remember and. Uh, during in 1984, and I remember him uh, uh, st- sticking his hand between his legs on the grabbing the bed, and then yanking, you know, falling backwards, making fun of the song because he thought thought it was stupid. He wasn't a big Van Halen guy as I was, but man, some incredible music. What was yours though, Russ? Oh God, I'm gonna have to say one uh, song, just one song from Van Halen that stood out that 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 motivated oh, you, that pushed you to. Running with the devil. I mean, uh, that many of the Van Halen two, uh, hot for teacher. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those early ones, you know, really had a big impact on on me uh, going into you know my adolescence. Mine, I got to be honest, with you, wasn't even a Van Halen song. The song that motivated me, that turned me on more than anything else, because I was really young at the time, was when Eddie was doing the solo for a big pop artist named Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I got an incredible story about that that we gotta talk about too. But Yeah, we're gonna take another break. And uh, yeah, we will talk more about uh, our favorite Van Halen songs, favorite albums, and, uh, and more memories of Eddie Van Halen and the band Van Halen after this. It's Rockstar Radio. We'll be right back after this. From Steven Spielberg, the director of Jaws, comes one of the most ambitious and unusual films ever made. And what you will see has never been seen before. It is a cosmic mystery, crossing what many scientists believe will be the next threshold of human experience. It is called Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It begins in an Indiana town and leads to one inescapable conclusion. We are not alone. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. A Columbia Pictures presentation in association with EMI. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. June 26th. Concrete Street Amphitheater. Two sounds of rock collide. It's Rock the Bay 2005. Featuring Seether. Crossfade. Static X. Power Man 5000. No address. Plus 
the Pop King's American Head Charge. One simple offer back in 10 years. 10 rocket bands. It's a full damp rock. Sunday, June 26. Rock the Bay, 2005. Cedar, Crossbase, Static X, Powerhead 5000, much more. Tickets on sale now at all Ticketmaster outlets, including the Concrete Street box office. Charge by phone at 361-881-8499 or online at ConcreteStreet.net. Don't miss Rock the Bay, 2005. You're living it live at Concrete Street. is Spirit of Rock Radio. The stories behind the greatest music of our time. I said he's what? He's dead. He's dead. Iconic moments of rock history. The backstories. The lies. And tracking down what really happened. The death of John Lennon. The manipulation of Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley died today. Apparently it was a heart attack. Was Jimi Hendrix murdered? The circumstances surrounding Jim Morrison's death. Janis Joplin, Buddy Holly, Rock's greatest legends and their stories pulled apart and exposed. Reaction and opinion from the people who were there. Couple of guys knocking a name them because I know who they are and they still me. And they poured wine straight in there and he, he drowned. Who was watching them and or exploiting them? He was the most vocally anti-war of the Rolling Stones. They murdered Brian Jones after that. Eyewitness accounts, personal stories and observations. Spirit of Rock Radio. Objective, get to the truth. Refuse to believe without proof. The autopsy report and things are revealing that the wine was poured on his nose and throat while he was sleeping. Spirit of Rock Radio. The real stories of rock finally told by the people who were there. There's a lot of questionable things. This is Spirit of Rock Radio. Own it now in your market. Star Magazine and our tribute podcast to none other than Van Halen as we are mourning Eddie Van Halen's passing, but um, also honoring and respecting his memory and the legacy that he has left on rock and roll and, and certainly the three of us here in this room doing this show. Yeah, and you know what? Our condolences, by the way, to his family and his son. Um, it's a difficult one for people to digest, to be honest with you. And we were all in shock because we've been having a lot of fun talking about things today and all that, but... The reality is, we were all pretty much in tears yesterday when we heard the news. Yeah, I, I had just, uh, I had literally bawled before you guys came over, and and what choked me up was Wolfgang's uh, Instagram yeah. that went out and his tweet uh, talking, you know, just announcing the passing of his father. I, I, uh, I wanted to also say why we're talking about this is, you know, James wrote kind of a eulogy of sorts that's short that he posted online. Um, but I'd love for him. I mean, I know we didn't discuss this ahead of time, but I'd love to have no, him. No, I think I saw read some it. of it. Uh, on was it on Facebook, James? Yeah, I posted it on Facebook. Yeah, today. could you read that for us, James? And then we want to talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Um, Here's what he posted on Facebook yesterday, folks. Listen to this. Uh, I'll hold it together. Hopefully, um, listening to Van Halen was like hearing the most melodic, sweetest touch of Beethoven, taking us into a classical story through a beautiful forest, and then Paul Bunyan 
jumping out of nowhere with the most awesome, ragged, painted-up bosaw, <laughs> cutting down every hardwood tree around him in just seconds, quickly followed up by him cooling the metal blade in the cold waters of a nearby metal, melted glacier. <laughs> every song was a story. Every story was a ride on the warp zone in Space Mountain right through the middle of Eddie's brain, all while Alex played the intro to ABC's Wide World of Sports. If you don't know who Eddie Van Halen is, you have missed one of the most amazing amazing musical talents of our time. Rest in peace, Eddie. That was good, man. That good was good. Stuff. I also, I like to say that people of, you know, your fan base with Rockstar Magazine, the people listen to your shows, if anybody would like to write their own eulogy like that and send it in or post it on your page, yeah, sure. that would be great. And then I can honestly, I can, we can also, I have the means, we can probably get it to his family and, and allow them to see some of this stuff, which would be great. Yeah, so that, That's the cool thought, Mike. I appreciate that. And, and, and yeah, we will post this podcast on our, our Facebook. We'll get it out there just to get it out there for, for friends and fans. And that's a good, that's a good idea to have people contribute a, a, a some kind of a eulogy or how, how people... memory. I, I, I know I'd like to write something just articulating my childhood, my, 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 my youth, Listening to that band, you know, it's just uh, you sure. know, from twelve to, you know, you know, but twenty like, years old, I I was a mischievous kid listening to Van Halen, man. Like, like what you wrote, James. I mean, it's hard to put things in the words sometimes. When we were together yesterday, when after his passing, it was like, what do you say? It's like we all try to post something or post a cool picture we had of him or, or take a quick look back. But man, what do you say about somebody? I who's don't so think legendary? you and I have ever been in a car together and been quiet for more than five minutes oh man and we were oh man we, we usually crack up each other trying to make stupid jokes or whatever but but it was just so devastating it was just silent you know yeah. you so. know you know we we're seeing all these things that are coming out and we've seen what wolfgang had to say um i just wonder you know how long for alex comes out and says anything because i have brothers and i have friends with you guys that are just as close as can be and you know, when you spend literally attached at the hip for as long as they did together, I mean, they can they could look at each other and tell each other what the next note is in a new song and things of that nature just by looking at each other. And imagine that your your you know your partner, your brother, your best friend for life is no longer there with you after these many years. Um, I just I hate to even be you know thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, and sadly they. We all got brothers. You know, sadly, Eddie didn't really share how serious, obviously, this had moved to his brain. We found out yesterday, and the cancer had had moved in um, over the years. He'd, he'd, you know, he'd been in a remission, and, you know, I'd seen him a couple of times in the past where he had gone through chemo and and some treatment, and it didn't look that great, you know, and he was looking great the past few years, and I thought, okay, they removed, you know, part of his tongue and a number of things over years that he had to get done, but he um, he seemed to manage through, and he seemed to speak properly. He seemed like he had his head on straight. He got kicked, kicked the alcohol habits. Yeah. I guess he tra- still smoked every now and then, which his doctors, I'm sure, hated, but, but you know, he um, he decided in the last days of his, his last years of his life that he was going to do everything he possibly could to turn the world around for his son and make sure he never his son never had to worry about anything in his future, creating his guitar line for the Wolfgang guitar line and the EVH line. And yeah. he did a lot of things um, just because he had so much love and passion for his son. And, and honestly, when he... When you know they moved on, and you know he he put well, he put his son in the in the band, 
you know, he felt like he had completed. He finally had completed the band when, I mean, how how joyful is it to be able to perform with your own son? Yeah, really, it is, and I'm I'm a I'm a son of a musician myself, so uh, I know what that that means. Uh, so just overall good stuff, um, a great show, guys. Let's uh, let's. Uh... Yeah, let's. Yeah. No, it's been uh, it's been a tough day, so we uh, we appreciate everybody listening in, and James, thanks for being here with us too. Yeah, thanks, Mike. This has been sombering, awesome. Well, thanks for being a part of the show. I want to thank Takeoff Terminal Studios for being uh, uh, gracious enough to allow us to host our podcast. Um, you can find information on us at rockstarmagazine.com. Uh, James, fire off your website, or what have you got to... Uh, you can catch me on Facebook or Instagram at Coach J. Bills, or you can reach me at uh, the University of Baseball. And the Mighty Mike Quinn is available on any social media. Just look up... Mighty Mike Quinn. Yeah, just look at Mighty Mike Quinn on Instagram. Pretty easy to find, guys. Well, thank you. And you're, of course, with Silverstone Records and your stuff at University of Baseball and uh, Rockstar Magazine. Great show, guys. Thanks for coming down here and doing this. And uh, thanks to Jake at Takeoff Terminal. And visit them online at takeoffterminal.studio. I'm Russell Dowd, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, great job, guys. Thanks, engineers and studio. We love you, Eddie. All right.